I might get it wrong. But it's okay, you know. My Spanish teacher got some stuff wrong. She still got paid. Come on. I'm just kidding. Just kidding, Ms. Carlson. But, uh, amen, praise God. Good, good to, have, to be back here, you know. How many of you uh, got your own whip and you drove here? How many of you got driven here? You made it here in one piece, right? That's something you can praise God for. Everyone give a hand clap for Jesus, getting us here in one piece. You know, because when it rains in Chicago, people forget how to drive. And that is the truth. But welcome, right? We're finishing up our sermon series today. We have the fall. Everybody say the fall, right? And today we're talking about the entrance of the hero. Answer the hero. Everybody say answer the hero. Okay, that's a word we don't use that much anymore, hero, because there's not that many heroes that we see. You know, a lot of, uh, matter of fact, 2020 has been the year of people getting exposed, if you think about it. People getting exposed left and right. I mean, you got actors and actresses, presidents, vice president. You got everybody getting exposed. You got everybody's dirty laundry coming out. You got the government lying, being exposed there. You got probably your boo, you know, during COVID. She got exposed. He got exposed. You know, a bunch of people getting straight exposed in 2020. The light is being shown on. We're seeing one thing that's very true is that people fail. We just got pastors. There's one uh, minister that uh, he had a, he was very, I mean, I, I thought he was awesome. I thought he was someone I looked up to. And it turns out that he got exposed. He was, uh, he was doing very inappropriate things with people in his, in his own spa that he owned. And he was, a, he was an evangelist. He traveled talking about the gospel everywhere in colleges. You know, you got all these people getting exposed and it's showing one thing is that there's only one hero. Everybody say one hero. Now that doesn't mean now all of a sudden like, well, I'm human. Let me mess up. What if I did that? I'm like, well, I'm human. Let me just cheat on my wife. I'm human. Let me just slap this dude in the face. I'm human. Let me just rob this guy. Let me just steal from this store. Let me just cheat on my taxes. Let me just do this because I'm human and humans fail. You see, no, but we're talking about a hero that changes people. Because you can have a hero who, who does something great, right, and everyone looks up to, but guess what? You're still the same. You see, a hero, true hero, changes people. A true hero changes people. So when we come to the hero in the Bible, that's Jesus, he's different than your ordinary hero. For one, listen, he's the one that exposes people. He's not the one that is exposed. And two... Right? He actually does what heroes do, and that's win. Everybody say win. See, heroes don't lose. That's the one thing about, that's the, one thing about the hero when it comes to stories, that heroes don't lose. And that itself isn't even popular anymore. How many people have ever seen The Joker? The Joker, the movie The Joker. Anybody ever seen it? Anybody ever seen it? Have you seen it? Victor's trying to be like, man, bro, I saw it like three times, bro. Snuck in the movie again to see it. Now I'm saying Oh, I'm just kidding, Victor. So how many of you seen The Joker? I've seen it. I saw it with my wife. I saw it with Kelvin. I saw it with Jorge. Where's Jorge? And then where's Libni? Yeah, you were there. I won't forget you. Okay, I saw it, I saw it with them, and it was, it was a crazy movie. But one thing that we're hearing from society is that, you know, they actually liked 
the joker. They, they empathized with him. They sympathized with him. They, they could see themselves in him. So people are tired of the hero. They want to be able to relate to someone. So they see the hero. They're like, I can't relate to the hero no more. I need someone darker. I need someone who messes up. I need someone who fails. I need someone who can't win because I can't win. So people have done, have done stopped in society saying, man, I need someone who, who's a role model, who's good, who's, who's, who's clean or whatever. I need someone to relate to, right? This ain't nothing new. I mean, that's how people have always been. You know, they want someone that, is, that doesn't meet the standard, right? But, I mean, he's still having fun while doing it. And, and, and I, I mean, this dude didn't meet the standard. Like, like Hitler didn't meet the standard, you know? But, hey, man, like, this dude doesn't meet the standard either, but he, I can relate to him. So we want someone that isn't quite a hero that we can relate to in this world so we can feel good about ourselves. But this is a hero we can look to, which we won't feel good about ourselves at first, but he'll change us. And that's Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. You should see, see, Jesus, he wasn't like these celebrities that they'll be in California, and they'll have million-dollar mansions, and then you look up to them, but really, they live in a whole different life. They don't have the same struggles as you. They can't even relate to you. They're not the come-up people that they forget where they came from as soon as they get there. They're not people like Future who made his career rapping about drugs. As soon as he gets money, he gets the help to get off drugs continues to rap about drugs, and then teenagers are now dying because of addiction to drugs. See, that, that's not the hero that we're talking about. We're not talking about the hero that talks about feminism, right, talks about women's rights, but the only way she makes money is if she degrades herself. We're not talking about those, those, those heroes. We're not talking about these politicians who want to be heroes so badly, but every single word that comes out of their mouth contradicts the word before it. We're not talking about liars and thieves and, and promiscuous people and, and, and addicts that get clean and want people to become addicts or people that manipulate the masses. We're not talking about that. We're talking about someone who lived among us slowly, who actually won and is able to change us. We're talking about Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. You see, because we've, we've been going over uh, the fall, and since we started this story, we've learned about the man, and we've learned about God, and we learned about how they're not on good terms. They're not on good terms at all. You see, man has begun to kill man. Man has begun to steal from man. Man has begun to uh, pillage man, rape man. Man has begun to destroy other men. So this is the story of the Bible is that God created us good. We sinned. We fell. And we broke trust with God, and we've lost trust in God. And there's not one who's convinced that God is worthy of trust. Not one. For that, God's wrath is upon humanity, and it's a bleak story. However, right, there's still that hope. There's still that hope in this despair that not only will things get better, but this hope that things will get better is tied to someone who is better, who's perfect, you see, there's this hope that is not tied to this fantasy or this, this kind of imagination or this, man, I'll win the lottery one day. I'll get this gift one day. Maybe I'll stop. Maybe there'll be someone for me. It's not this imaginary hope. There's this hope tied to a specific person called 
the Messiah, the Savior, the Christ, the seed that will come and fix our problems, that will fix our mistake and will crush the serpent. So this is what we're waiting for. This is what humans are waiting for. There's that hope. And this is where now we enter the hero. This is where the hero answers the story. And in the story, the entrance in the hero is not in the middle of the story. It's not at the climax. It's not at the end. But matter of fact, it's in the beginning. It's in the beginning. If we could turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. You got your Bibles. That's John chapter 1. That's the New Testament. John chapter 1. Give you a second to get there. My Wi-Fi is not really working, so got to have to wait. So in the beginning was the Word. Everybody say beginning. That's how we started off the sermon series. It's in the beginning. So we learned that this hero hasn't been in the background, hasn't been in the sidelines. He's been a mystery. But in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So we learned this character called the Word. And the Word is the same, right, in essence, right, in, in power, in name as God, this good God. He's, he's the same as him. And through him, this word, all things were made. And without him, nothing was made that had been made. That means the goodness, the meticulous creation, the timely creation, the, the time that God took to create it, that was done through the word, this other character, and in him was life. And that life was the light of all mankind, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. So this word had life. Everybody say life. This word had light. Everybody say light. And the darkness could not overcome it. You So you see, this word was God. And we find out later, if we go to verse uh, 14, please, if we scroll down to verse 14, it says, this word became flesh. Everybody say flesh. Everybody say flesh. And he made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So the word of God became flesh. The word who is God became flesh and he made his dwelling among us. And you see, this isn't just a thing that People talked about, like, hey, man, like, you know, anybody ever gossip at school? Good, good. Kelvin, shame on you. Oh, I was talking about now. But shame on your old self. Good thing you found Jesus. But anybody gossip at school and ever, like, anybody just do it for fun? Come on, don't lie. Who just gossip for fun? I know there's some people out there because I talk to some people like that. Like, they would just lie. Just the lie, man. Like, they be like, hey, bro, did you hear this dude? What about this dude? Man, well, this dude, man, you know, his parents, they got divorced. What? For real? Yeah, man. And he's sleeping in the car. Look at That's why he smells. And I'm like, really? So then I'm already like, bro, man, did you hear this guy? He's, his parents got divorced. Then when it gets to the guy, he's like, bro, my parents are together, happily married. Right? You ever met anyone that lies like that? I had a friend who he had cuts on the back of his head, and uh, he said he got scratched by a tiger. And I literally believed him. <laughs> so I thought he got in, like a, in a tiger fight. And I was like, man, bro, you're a savage. Man, he straight lied to me. He just lied just to lie. You see, no one, he didn't even see a tiger, man. I mean, bro, you're too broke to see a tiger. Come on, don't lie. He never met a tiger. So 
This wasn't like that. John is not spreading gossip. He's not spreading a false tale. We can see that because he says, we have seen. Everybody say seen. Seen the glory, the glory of this one and only son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. This is something that John has experienced firsthand. This is something that he's telling us. He's telling us the story of the hero and how he entered the scene and and just what he saw here. He saw glory from the son. And the son didn't come just spouting nonsense like the homeless dude that crossed the street, right? He was spouting nonsense like some dude who, who had a little bit too much to, to drink, like your Theo at your, uh, your celebration at your birthday. It wasn't like that. See, this guy came with grace and truth. He came speaking something that was worth listening to. This was the hero. And the hero, if we can go... Uh, if we can go now to Luke chapter 411, just pause there. So we find out this good God, he came basically, essentially as another character. See, this God, this is what a lot of people, the Muslims, they hate this. The, the Buddhists, they hate this. Every religion hates this, that God chose to become man. You understand that? Think about what we've been learning. This good God created man, created him from the dirt, from the dust. From the earth, from part of his creation, the creator came into creation. This good God came into this broken creation, and he lived among us. And this character, what did he do when he came? Well, he came like almost similar to the first man. You see, he didn't come because someone got it on, right? Because that's we all know the birds and the bees, right? Y'all know that? Everybody had that talk? I don't need to have that talk with y'all, right? But that's not what happened. Mary was a virgin, and he was born from a virgin. And not only was he born of a virgin, but he was born humbly to a virgin. He didn't come like, like all of a sudden he's in the mansion, right? And he's like, you ever seen those babies on Instagram where they look like grown men, and they, got tim- they dress better than I do and all that. And they got Tim's. And then he got the freshest lining, that baby. I'm like, bro, babies can't even have linings. How is this possible? And, and, and no, he didn't come like that. He was born within the manger. He was born within the manger lowly. Nothing attract. The Bible literally says there was nothing attractive to him. He had no majesty. So what glory is John talking about? We're going to see. Because this Jesus grew up among them. Grew in wisdom and stature. He was a carpenter. This man was a teacher. I mean, he turned water into wine. He partied. Amen? Amen? He partied. And he did it at a legal legal age. Amen? Some of y'all partying too young. You need to stop it. This man was relatable. You see, we're looking for a hero to relate to, but yet we don't look to Jesus. We don't look to Jesus who saw the oppression of his time, he saw the corruption, he saw the sin of his people, and what did he do? He changed it. You see, because he, he did miracles, he spoke about grace and truth, and he spoke and confronted the wicked people of this world. He exposed the evil in his generation. You see, Jesus is the most relatable hero we'll ever have. Jesus was special. Jesus is special. So the hero lived among us. And what was he, what, what was he, what was special about him as well? Because as man, as man, 
He called this good God the creator. He called him a special name. He called him Father. And this word Father has a very close connection with the word trust. Because a lot of people have this weird thought about God, and some of you may have it, that God is just this some distant dude that looks like he's just sitting on his throne, and he's just like this, like far away, like, like just in the background. Like he's side-eyeing the whole world. Like he's just like, man, y'all disgusting. Y'all despicable. Y'all nasty. Like doesn't even want to get close to us. Oh, we're, this is Jesus. This is God. It's God the Son. And he speaks of this creator, this, this good God as Father, our Father. So he makes this connection that the story hasn't really got just far. Just about how much this God loves us. And this son, Jesus, right? He's the word. He's the son. He's fully convinced that this father is worthy of trust. And he lives his life like this from an early age onward. Now, not only did this hero live among us and he performed miracles and he taught with grace and truth and power and authority, but this hero was finally able to crush the serpent. Remember? Remember the serpent? Remember that liar? Remember that thief? Remember that guy who ruined it for everyone? Jesus is finally able to beat him. And he does it, and I'm going to tell you in three ways. Does it in three ways. If we go to Luke chapter 4, uh, 1 through 11. Luke chapter 4, 1 through 11. You see, the hero finally succeeds against the serpent. He lives among us, just like David did, just like Moses did, just like Abraham did, just like these relatable fallen people that people in the church always look to. When someone sins, well, hey, man, David sinned. Hey, when, when, when someone cheats on their wife, hey, well, you know, David, he got Bathsheba. When someone lies and cheats and steals, you know, they look at Abraham, they look at all these guys, but they never look to Jesus. Why is that? He's the only one that actually won. Everyone else is lost. So we go to Jesus, Luke chapter 4, 1 through 11. Jesus, he starts his ministry. He gets baptized. Because like I was saying, every character failed, but they were all pointing to the one who would win. And that's Jesus. So Jesus, he's baptized, right? Not because all of a sudden he needed to wash himself of sin, but it was the start of his ministry to fulfill the righteousness we couldn't achieve. So he starts, he goes into the wilderness. He starts not where Adam and Eve started, but where the fall of man began, in the wilderness, outside of the garden. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit. Everybody say the Spirit. You see, God, God himself is coming into the wilderness where man has messed up, where man is dead, where man has nothing but the curse. And he's there for 40 days. He's tempted by the devil. Everybody say the devil. That's the serpent. He ate nothing during those days, and at the end of them, he was hungry. Everybody say hangry, though. Hangry. Because, you know, you ain't for 40 days, and you're hungry. You're hangry. Let's just be honest. All right, I don't eat for four hours. I'm hangry. For sometimes 40 minutes. The devil said to him, if you are the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. So, man, like. Honestly, people are like, man, dude, he's just speaking to the devil like that? Honestly, be real. You haven't ate for 40 days. You're going to start seeing the devil too. You're going to start seeing him in the physical. Let's just be real. Let's just be real. This is a supernatural thing because he's doing a supernatural thing. He's pushing the human body to the limits. 
And he's seeing the devil. Not saying he's hallucinating, but dude, like he's literally praying and fasting 40 days. Jesus, this is Jesus, fully man. This is what he does to the devil. He doesn't just say, devil, I'm going to stomp you, right? I'm going to kill you right here. I'm going to put you in a headlock. I'm going to pull you. I'm going to do like a, uh, what's that one UFC? Not McConnor. No, 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 no. What's it? The dude who elbows a lot? Jones? Jones. Anybody watch UFC here? Okay, never mind, man. I'm going to rock you. I'm going to suplex you, whatever. John Jones, there you go. The elbows. He's not, he's not putting like the jujitsu or anything on this guy, on this devil. But what does he do? He says, if you're the son of God, tell this stone to become bread. If we look back in the story, who else is tempted with food? Who else is tempted with the, with the, the fulfillment of food here? It's Adam and Eve. You see, Jesus is being tempted just like Adam and Eve right here. And Jesus answers, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. Man shall not live on bread alone. You see, he's doing what Adam couldn't do. He's doing what Eve couldn't do. And that's saying, I have the word of God. And he says, the devil led him now. See, that wasn't it now. He tempted him with food. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant the kingdoms of the world and said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. He said to him, "Uh, it has been given to me and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it would all be yours. Hold up. The devil says it's been given to me. Because Adam and Eve, right, what did they do? They gave up that authority. They gave up that authority. But what is he doing? What is he? He's trying to deceive Jesus like Jesus doesn't already have that. You see, because the Messiah was to be given everything. After he, as man, obeys the Father, now all the world is his. That's, that's how the story goes, just to give you a sneak peek. But Jesus, right, he's seen all the world. He's seen all the world. Like he's seen. Now, I'm not saying that literally, you know, he's, he's so high that he can see all the world. But I believe that the devil, right, is a spiritual thing. He's showing him all the kingdoms of the world. This is all yours. This could be everything. Now, what is that? That is something that, that God's already going to give him, right? The Father's already told him, this is yours. That's like Adam and Eve when, when the Father, right, made them like him and, his, and they're in, in his image, and yet the devil lied to him saying, you could be like God. Do you see the, the devil saying, you have something that God can't give you? I mean, I have something that God can't give you. But what does Jesus say? He said, it is written. Again, it is written. Everybody say, it is written. written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. It is written. Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So then the devil, he doesn't stop. He says, I got you before, man. I got you before. Remember in the garden, I got you. I know where I can get you. I know where you're weak. And he says the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, right? Now the devil is trying to use scripture. And he says he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. He's saying, hey, man, you're saying it is written a lot. Well, let me tell you where it's written here. And what did he, what, what, the devil's already done that though. Surely did God tell you you would die? See, he used, he used God's word, try to twist it to make it seem like he's, what, on your side. See, the devil uses the, he's trying to use the word, he's trying to twist truth into a lie. Because, listen, if I told you right now, 
If I told you right now, hey, listen, I'm a billionaire. You come up to the altar, I'll give you a billion dollars right now. Come on, man. I ain't, I ain't. You can look at me, look at my car. You know that's not true, right? You know that's not true. But if I told you right now, okay, a convincing lie. Like saying, hey, man, if you come over uh, and you help me, you know, move or something, I'll give you a couple bucks. Right? I'll give you 30 bucks, 40 bucks, 50 bucks. Right? Let's say 100. That's real tempting. 100 bucks an hour, yeah. But I don't got 100 bucks on me, but that sounds real convincing. You see, because the truth is something that se- the uh, deceiving lie is different than just a, blank, a blanket lie, just a flat, fat out lie, because it looks true. And you see, that's the lie that gets most people. It's the lie that seems true. It's not the lie that says, hey, man, like, you know, I'm six foot four and I'm in the NBA. That's not, that's not the lie that's going to work. That's not the lie. Because that's obvious. You can see through that easily. See, what the enemy's trying to do is do what he did to Adam and Eve, yet Jesus answered. Again, it is said, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left them until an opportune time. So you see right now, Jesus did what Adam and Eve couldn't do in the garden. He did it in the wilderness, though. He did it outside of that perfect place, that perfect setting, showing us one thing, is that God is what we need. God is what we need right now. God and his word, God speaking to us is what we need. But a lot of us, we look at God's word as a burden. We don't see it as a refuge. We don't run to God's word and sin. We run away from God's word and sin because it seems like a burden. It doesn't seem like a help. But yet, how do we defeat the lies of the enemy? Because the lies are going to come either way. You leave this church, guess what? Devil going to keep lying to you. You try to run away from God, the devil going to keep lying to you. That's all he does is lie. So what do we do? We turn to the only truth. That's God's word. And that is exactly what Jesus said. Now, now let's, uh, let's continue. And I, I want to encourage you guys to, to study this on your own time. This is, this is edifying to me when I first learned this. That Adam and Eve failed, but Jesus succeeded where they failed. And every temptation, it's relatable. But yet, Jesus, as man, he succeeds. So now we go to Luke chapter 22. Everybody say, Jesus is the winner. You got to keep that in your mind. You got to keep that in mind. Your Jesus is the winner. He's not the loser in this. Luke chapter 22, verse uh, 39 to 42. You see, what was the opportune time? What was the opportune time for the devil to come back? Is it when Jesus is performing miracles and people are saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, the king has come? When does, when does the devil tempt you? When does the devil tempt you? Is that elevate? For some of y'all, sometimes it is. But is it, is it during worship? Is it, is it during prayer? Is it when you're feeling like, man, dude, I can live for God right now? Yeah. Nah, it's, it's when, you're, when, you're, when you're weak. It's when you're tired. It's when you don't feel it. It's when you don't feel like obeying God. It's when you don't feel like surrendering to him. It's when you feel like not reading your Bible. you rather do something else. So Jesus went on as usual to Mount Olives, and his disciples followed him. In the story, this is where Jesus, right before he's about to crush the serpent's head, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount Olives, and the disciples followed him. On reaching this place, he said to them, 
pray that you will not fall in temptation, into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond them, knelt down and prayed. So he wasn't that far from them. He was probably right, right where I'm at. Kelvin's probably where Jesus is at. Father, if you're willing, take this cup. Father, if you're willing, take this cup. Check that Jesus right now is being tempted to quit. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And in being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. We'll stop right there. You see, Jesus, this is where, this was the opportune time. This was the opportune time for the enemy to come and to tempt him. It's when he is praying, and there's probably visions of what is going to happen to him. He knows he's about to be pierced with nails this long, that thick. He knows he's about to have his beard ripped off, a crown of thorns put on his head. He knows people are going to reject him. People are going to say, crucify him. The same people that worshiped him are the same people who are calling for his life. He knows all this going through his head, and he's praying in anguish. He's weak right now. He's Weak right now. You understand that you guys have been weak before. I've been weak before. And what your heroes like to do is they like to front act like they've never been weak. You know, I grew up hearing about heroes like Martin Luther King. I grew up hearing about heroes like, believe it or not, Bill Clinton. Uh, uh, John F. Kennedy, right? Uh, you know, we didn't know all that uh, you know, at that time. You know, we just thought he was a little weird. But all these heroes I grew up hearing, heroes like Tupac, heroes, you know, all these people, Christopher Columbus. And then you, you get older and you realize not only were your heroes weak, but they failed. You learn that Martin Luther King was sleeping with another woman, that Bill Clinton was not, was not the first black president, quote unquote, that people were calling him. That he, he was putting black people in jail more than usual. Like, you learn these things, and you're like, whoa. Like, so these people weren't what other people said. Then you learn more that Christopher Columbus was part of the reason why 99% of the Indians got wiped out. Not saying these people didn't do great things, but what I'm saying is they weren't heroes. They weren't. You learn that certain preachers had slaves. You learn all these things when you get older, all the people that you idolized. Not only were they weak, but they presented themselves as strong, but they were failures. They were failures. Wait till you learn about your parents when you get older. Wait till you learn about your uncles and your aunts. Wait till you learn about the people closest to you that you say you're so good, you do anything for them, you learn about what they've done in their lives. You see, but here's Jesus in his most vulnerable moment right now in the story. We have a sneak peek. We have a behind-the-scene look at Jesus when he's weakest. In his anguish, on his knees, almost about saying, God, if this ain't your will, if, this is, if you could take this from me, if you could give this to somebody else, I don't want to do it. Getting to that point, what does he do, though? He says, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. You see, a lot of us, we don't want to say those words. We don't want to say those words, but there's so much resolve in those words. Because what does it say? It says, when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep and exhausted from sorrow. He found them asleep, 
exhausted from sorrow. This is him now. He's exhausted from sorrow. He's the man of sorrows. Look that up. Why are you sleeping? He asked. He asked him. The disciples were sleeping on him. His own people sleeping on him. He says, get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. And right after this, Jesus is taken away. And he doesn't run away. He doesn't fight. He doesn't all of a sudden use his, his power and just snap people. They don't snap people away. What does he do? He goes willingly. Willingly. And the Bible says the joy set before him, he endured the cross. You see, how did we get from anguish to joy? It's called trust. He said, not my will. I'll choose not to trust my will. I'll trust your will. You see, that's the secret to Christianity right there. That's the whole secret. Jesus just literally told us how to live for Christ. I was going to say something I shouldn't have said, but... Forget your will. Let's just say forget your will. Your will is do-do. Your will is do-do. You don't know what to do. Your will is do-do. Your will will lead you to hell. A man seems right in his own eyes, but at the end it leads to death and destruction. You think, we think as mankind, we know what to do with our lives. We know what's best. We know what cup to drink from. But I'm telling you right now, not your will, but his will be, be done. His perfect, pleasing will. Listen, if you're, if you're curious as why you're having a hard time with Christianity, because you're still trying to do your will and claim to be a Christian. If Christ himself said, not my will, but your will, how dare we say, not your will, but my will, and still claim to be a Christian? How do we say that? Because we've been deceived. This was his weakest. This was the opportunity. And when you were at your weakest, instead of saying, not my will, but your will be done, you looked to that tree, you saw that fruit, you ate from it, and you said, yep, I know what's good and I know what's evil. That's what you did. And that's why it's been hard. That's why it's been hard. And there's, been, there's one way, one other way why Jesus is still the hero. It's because even upon the cross, if we can go to Luke chapter uh, 23... Luke chapter 20, see, Jesus, it doesn't just stop there, man. He's, he, they literally rip his clothes off. This, like I know in the, in the movies, they don't show it, but this man's naked. Jesus is naked, bearing a cross, and he's carrying it up a town while people laugh at him, while people throw stuff at him, bleeding. He was whipped 40, uh, 39 times. The man was beaten, brutalized, and it wouldn't have happened. If it wasn't for not my will, but your will be done. He's resolved now. The enemy, right? He's, I mean, think about, I don't, I've, been in a, I've been in a riot before. And I see that, listen, people don't even know why they're angry. People are just angry. And you see that in the Bible. When they started seeming crucify him, crucify him, they only started doing that because the crowd. Because the crowd influenced the crowd. And we don't understand this, but that is how the spiritual works. That's how it works. So now the enemy is influencing all these people because what? He wants to end this man. He wants to end this man. The serpent wants to bite the heel of this man, remember? He wants to bite his heel. And if we continue to go down, he's being accused. He's being, uh, he's being lied about. People slap him in the face, spit in the face. I know some of y'all in this room, the minute someone slaps you, you off. You gone. You, you, you taking off the cuffs. You, you done. You're throwing hands. 
Jesus could have thrown hands. You got to understand that. Jesus could have thrown hands, but he didn't. Jesus could have, what, broke them, broke whatever was on him. But he kept going and kept going. Let's just go all the way to verse 47. Um, verse 40. Keep going. I, uh, right there. Keep going down. So right here, it was now about noon and darkness. If you think about the story goes nine hours, he's on the cross. Nine hours on the cross, and Jesus calls out with a loud voice, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And when he said this, he breathed his last. Understand this, that in most stories, this is not how the hero wins. Most stories, this is not how the hero wins. When Christianity was first spreading its story, when, first, when it was first spreading the gospel, the Greeks, they have a hard time with this. They have a hard time with this because they worship the human body. They worshiped the human body, and they thought the human body was perfect, and they thought that the heroes, man, they had to be some swole, uh, John Cena-looking dudes that never lost, that were always winning, that were always beating people. But our hero wins by losing. Our hero wins by losing. He loses his own life here. And people mourn for him. He actually dies In this story, the hero comes, and he's about to have a victory. He's betrayed, put on a cross, and people that were worshiping him are now mourning for him. Dude, imagine that. Imagine the feeling of having this dude that was supposed to save you. This was the guy, and he failed you. And this is deemed a failure, but we know that is not where the story ends. Because in this death, what does he do? What? He takes the power of sin, he takes the authority of the devil, and he takes the sting of death, and he takes it all to the grave. You see, in this death, Jesus defeated death. That in this, in this brutal uh, presentation of sin, this was man's sin on display, the creation killing the good creator that created everything good. This was the ultimate display of sin. And what? Jesus takes that sin, puts it on himself, takes it to the grave. This is now where what? The, 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 uh, the sin and the, the, the temptation and the enemy, right? The enemy now who thinks he has Jesus, who thinks he's won. But now it's flipped. Jesus resurrects. Jesus resurrects, and Jesus defeats death itself, and this is what he tells his disciples. If I can have Lawrence come up to the keys. If we go to Luke chapter 24, verse 44, and 48 through clothing. If you guys can all stand, please, and if I can have the altar workers up. You see, Jesus defeats this death. He defeats sin. He defeats the devil, and what does he do? Right, He comes back to his disciples. Luke chapter 22, 44 through 48. You see, the Christ, the anointed one, the seed that we learned about in the beginning of the story, he does not fail, but instead he defeats death. And what was, what, what was, the, what was the, the consequence of sin? Death. Do you guys understand that? That the consequence, the consequence of sin is death. But who defeats death? Jesus. So this thing, this thing that is plaguing all of us in our lives, death, this thing that is chasing us, that is pursuing us, that is inevitable, this thing called death, because of sin, has been defeated. It has been defeated. And this is what Jesus tells his disciples. 
I think, uh, are you at Luke chapter 22? Can you go all the way down, please? Luke chapter 22. Continue to go. My bad, I'm sorry. Need my glasses. Luke chapter 24. Thank you, Jorge. That's my fault. See, man, one day, not going to need glasses, amen? Okay, Luke chapter 24. 24, you passed it. All right, 44, 40. Actually, you're good. You're good. Thank you. Jorge, man, you're good. I like you. I don't know how you're scrolling that fast, but this is what Jesus, he comes to his disciples. He proves he's resurrected. This is another thing. In this story, he doesn't leave his disciples guessing or wondering. He doesn't leave them confused. He literally says, here I am. He presents himself to them. And this is what I told you while I was still with you. Everything must be fulfilled that is written about me in the law of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. That means he's completed everything. Everything that all those heroes try to do but fail to do, he's completed it. He's finished it. But the story doesn't end here. Now, this is what he says. Then he opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He says, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in the name to all nations. Everybody say, all nations. Beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my Father has promised, but stay in the city until you have been clothed with power from on high. You see, what Jesus pretty much says is that he took back what the devil stole, right? He's one. He's one. If you go back on that wall, on the wall on the other side, it says all authority has been given to me. Everything that the devil had or thought he had, Jesus took. He stole back. Amen? He stole back. He whipped it from the devil's clutches. And he says now to us that we, we know the story. We know, we're convinced that we can trust God. So what we do now is we spread this story. We spread it. We tell them about the one, the Messiah who suffered. Why is suffering so important? Because every one of you in this room will suffer. Every one of you. I'm sorry to say, but every one of you will suffer. Some of you will see death in your life. Close ones dying. Some of you will have times where you don't have enough to eat. That is the truth. That is reality. But who can relate? This is the Messiah. You see, we're not preaching about a hero who can't relate, who's never suffered, who's never lost, who has never been ridiculed, has never been betrayed, who has not seen people that he put his trust in fail him. You see, Jesus put his trust in the disciples. They failed him. You see, on almost every level, we relate to the Messiah's suffering. But then this is what we have to understand. This is what I want you to get elevate. We need to relate to his victory. We need to find the Messiah in his suffering, but we need to say, find the Messiah in the resurrection. That Jesus is alive today. Listen, the forgiveness of sins. The forgiveness of sins. The, the cleansing of sins. The healing of the nations. It all starts with this man, Jesus. His good news. This is his charge to us, the church. We're witnesses to this. If you have a testimony, if you've been changed by Jesus, if you yourself were once lost, but now you're found, if you your once was blind, but God opened your mind so you can see, 
If you were once sick and depraved, separate from God, but now you've been brought close because of the love of the Father. Listen, you need to spread this good news. (laughs) The story now continues with you. You see, the story now continues with you. You have to continue to tell people about Jesus. So this is what we should do as a church in order to see this charge fulfilled, right? We have to do it with power. So if you think you don't have power in this place, you need to receive power. That means it's not your own strength. It's the power of God. He promises us that he would give us power to be witnesses. You're not doing it out of your own strength. You're not just trying to muster. You're not just trying to think positive, like, I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. I believe in myself. I believe in myself. I believe in myself. No, man, Disney got it screwed up because it's not your will, remember? It's his will. It's not your strength. It's his strength. It's not your power. It's his power. So you need power. So if you're a Christian in this place and you want the power of God in your life, you need to come up to these altars. You need to come up to these altars. We need to pray together to see God's power in your life. Because, Bree, there's power in your life for you to preach the gospel without growing faint to your family. AJ, there's power in your life to keep preaching to your dad no matter how long it takes. There's power. There's power for God to change your schools, change your families, because what? He's changed you. He's changed you. He defeated death. Why can't he defeat the sin in these lives? So be convinced in the one who has actually won. Be convinced that Jesus has won. Know the story is about, know the story, obviously know the gospel, know the gospel, know about it, know it. Know it like you know sports, know it like you know those lyrics, know it like you know this show, know it. And know Jesus. Know the, know, not, don't just know the story, know who it's about. Know who it's about. Because in your weakest moments when the devil sees the opportunity, You're not turning to someone you think you know. You're turning to someone you do know. And you're repeating his words back to the enemy. Then when it comes to the devil and his lies, what does Jesus say? Jesus says, pray. Pray. Pray so that you will not fall into temptation. Listen, you have to start speaking to Jesus. Speaking to Jesus. Start praying. Amen. Once you've done all this, once, you, once you've done all this, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to do. You're, you're trusting in Jesus. You're fulfilling this story. If all, everyone could bow their heads and close their eyes. Heavenly Father, I thank you, God, that we are not alone, Lord. That you know us. You know us intimately. You know the number of hairs on our head. God, in your gospel... The gospel, the good news that you sent to mankind through your son. Lord, you made it so simple for us to understand. You wanted us to be able to know you as father. To be able to trust in your son. Lord, I pray for everyone in this place, God, that we would no longer 
continue to listen to the lies of the enemy, that we would no longer just trust in ourselves and our weakness. God, I pray right now that the power of God would change the lives of every person here, God. I pray for a change in mind, God, that they would no longer think about uh, evil things, think on things of the devil, listening to the lies, regurgitating the lies. But Lord, they would think on the truth, think on your promises, think on your word, Lord. God, I pray for their lives, their livelihood, the things that they do, God, that they would stop saying my will, my will, what I want, what I want, Lord, and they would choose to do your will. Lord, I pray for everyone in this place, God, that we would no longer do our will, God, that we would say not my will, but your will be done, God. And I pray for every Christian in this place, every child of God, Lord, that they would begin to spread the good news, Lord. Lord, that we would see this story fulfilled in our lives, God. That we would want to see our family members change. That we would want to see sin, that beast of an animal, God, defeated in the lives of our friends, our families, our neighbors, our classmates. God, give us a heart for the lost, Lord. Give us a heart like Jesus. We want to love like Jesus. Everyone begin to pray. Ask the Father to help you be like Jesus. Because guess what? This hero... You're supposed to be like this hero. Stop trying to be like anybody else. Be like this hero. Be like Jesus. You're not missing out. You're not missing out. Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. This is the one you want to be like. There's no one that cares more than Jesus. You want to be someone like someone who's caring? There's no one that cares more than Christ. You want to be like someone who's loving? There's no one that is loved more than Jesus. You want to be like a winner? You want to be like a champion? You want to be like someone who doesn't lose? Listen, Christ has never lost. Christ has never lost a battle. Christ has never lost a battle. Even when losing his life, he still had victory in his resurrection. Get that through your mind. You see, look to Jesus. Look to Jesus, guys. A few more seconds, continue to pray. And if you want power, you should be at these altars right now. You should be at, at these altars right now. If you're timid, listen, the Lord was talking to me right now. In this place, we cannot live for the approval of man. Listen, man is, the, the approval of man will prove to be a snare in your life. That means it will trap you up. You won't be able to think straight. You won't be able to move straight. You won't be able to live right. Everything will be consumed with what other people think because you're stuck with this idea that you have to gain the approval of man. Listen, if you're like that in this place, you need to come to these altars. You need to drop that negative attitude, not just negative, that demonic mindset because it's not from God. It's not from God. And I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. I want you to be free in Jesus' name. I want you to be free. People, they won't do nothing. They can't save you. People can't save you. Stop living for them. Stop doing what other people want you to do just because you want their approval. Christ has won the victory. Christ has won the victory. Be free. You're, you're not trying to prove yourself anymore. Come to these altars and understand that Jesus, he's already won the victory for you. Live free. Live free. I want you right now to close your eyes and picture your weaknesses. Picture the times that you've fallen short. And I want you to picture yourself with victory. 
See the victory. If you're consistently addicted to something like drugs, pornography, let's say you're, you're completely obsessed with something that is bad for you. Let's say you're in depression. Let's say you have anxiety. Picture your life free from that. Let's say you are that person I was talking about where you can't seem to shake the approval of man. I want you to picture yourself free. Whatever your weakness is, Christ can set you free. There's freedom. I'm going to say a prayer of dismissal, but you can stay here in the altar if you want prayer. But listen, I'm, I'm, it's not about y'all either. Understand that. It's not about me. It's not about you. This is about Christ. He's the answer. He's the hero. He's the one that can save you. Stop making it about what you have to do. Stop making it about other people. Listen, Christ. Dude, just make it so simple, everyone. Let's just make it about Jesus. Let's make it about the one who didn't fail. Your life will be so much more simpler. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray for everyone in here, God, that this altar call, Lord, even though no one came up to these altars, God, Holy Spirit, you're still in this place. And we believe that you are working in the hearts of everyone in this room, that no heart has not felt the presence of the Holy Spirit, that every heart and heart in this room has been knocked on by the Holy Spirit. Lord, and I pray that repentance would be the fruit of this preaching, Lord, and any preaching that comes from this pulpit, Lord. And I pray, God, that you would change the heart of everyone and elevate, Lord. God, the spirit of the fear of man, I pray right now that it would be completely demolished in Jesus' name. Lord, I pray against the spirit of apathy in Jesus' name. That, Lord, we would see the heart that Christ had and we would be moved, Lord. Lord, the spirit of drugs, rebuke it in Jesus' name. Lord, you have victory in this place, God. You have victory in this place. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You're dismissed, but if you want to stay, feel free. If you want to stay, feel free. As Lauren sings, just begin to pray. Listen, you don't have to leave this room the same. Some of y'all don't have to leave this room the same.